Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Mornings with Pastor Adam on the West Coast Bible Teacher Podcast. Hoping you all enjoyed the Jonah study that I posted for yesterday. We got through, uh, well, we finished Jonah chapter 1 um, and then got through the duration of uh, uh, Jonah chapter 2, which is only uh, 10 verses. Um, and uh, there we get the prayer of Jonah. Now, two days ago on this morning show, I talked about uh, that of cyberbullying, and I got into the age of accountability, and uh, I talked about that a bit. Hopefully you all enjoyed that topic, um, but one thing I want to address um, is that I, I talked about the Amanda Todd case uh, that occurred back in 2012. Amanda Todd was a 15-year-old girl who was the uh, victim uh, of cyberbullying and harassment, um, but one thing that I failed to mention when elaborating on Amanda Todd was the fact that she did indeed uh, attempt suicide um, a second time later on, um, and she did pass away as a result of the second attempt. Now, I already knew this, um, but I went back and listened to uh, Tuesday morning show, and uh, I realized that I actually didn't finish the story and clarified that she did eventually pass away um, as a result of the cyber-stalking that she was experiencing uh, from this adult man uh, who's been charged now, by the way. Um, and then also, of course, the bullying that she experienced. So uh, I guess when I was talking about it all Tuesday morning, my goal was to mainly emphasize the part of her story that dealt with the, uh, the way her uh, fellow classmates uh, were treating her. Because in my mind, that was one of the most disturbing uh, aspects of the Amanda Todd story. Um, the way other teenagers were, uh, you know, treating her. But anyhow, I just wanted to mention that and, uh, you know, get that out of the way. And today, I would like to talk a little bit about something that we can often forget about and overlook. And uh, it's that of God's creation and what his creation says about him. You know, the other night I watched a documentary, a very interesting film. I enjoyed it. It was called Fire and Love. It was produced by National Geographic, and I actually think the film was nominated for an Oscar. Um, it came out uh, well over a year ago. The film is about two famous volcanologists, and their names were uh, Katia and Maurice Croft. They were French. I don't know if they could be classified as the most famous volcanologists in the world, but they were indeed very famous. They were very well known. And this documentary really is mind-blowing. As far as just, you know, seeing all the footage of how close these two people got to these volcanoes. And, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like a little love story, the documentary. They were a married couple, and uh, they both happened to meet when they were young, and they both uh, were into the study of volcanoes. Um, I think they might have both been already volcanologists at that time when they met, and they got married. And so they just decided to, you know, together, they, they would travel around the world to all these different active volcanoes to study them, to get up close to them. And uh, I would encourage you to look up clips from this documentary on YouTube. Um... And also outside of the documentary, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of footage out there of 
uh, Katya and Maurice Croft and uh, the time that they spent at the volcanoes. When I was a child, I loved learning about volcanoes. I remember when I was five years old, my mother bought me the uh, VHS of the uh, eyewitness educational video that they did uh, on volcanoes. And uh, actor Martin Sheen actually was the narrator of this half-hour special uh, on volcanoes that uh, Eyewitness produced. And uh, you can actually find uh, that little uh, Eyewitness episode on YouTube. Just type in, I think, Eyewitness-Volcanoes. I don't know, something like that. Just, <laughs> just, just type that in the YouTube search bar. It should work. Um, they made that half-hour special actually in 1996. And I loved it. I remember watching it as a child. And the science of volcanoes, and the magnitude of them, and the eruptions and all, you know, it, it fascinated me and made me giddy as a child. And uh, in that eyewitness episode, they actually did have footage taken by uh, Katya and Maurice Croft. I would recommend the documentary, though, Fire and Love. It was pretty clean, no profanity or anything like that. I think the movie's only uh, rated PG. It's still PG because, you know, you have footage of people getting inches away from lava flows and <laughs> and smiling and all and having a good time when they're there. And <laughs> But the footage is incredible in this documentary. All the footage is, of course, real, and it, it, it really puts you right at the scene of this you know, you know, these incredible volcanic eruptions and the lava flows and everything. And such really can help to put an extra added perspective on the magnitude of the God we serve. The Bible is full of scripture passages that are dedicated to reflecting upon how God's creation reflects that of his majesty and power. Of course, right off the bat, one of, one of the most famous of such scriptures would be that which is found in Psalm 19. Starting from verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Now, the heavens, of course are in reference to the beautiful sky above us. And it says here that the sky, the heavens, declare the glory of God. Peter C. Craigie, well-known commentator, he writes of this all, quote, Their declaration of glory rests upon the fact that though they are inanimate entities, they are the work of his hands and so reflect positively upon the Maker. But the speech of the heavens and firmament of day and night has a twofold thrust. It is addressed to God as praise, 
yet it is also addressed to mankind as a revealer of knowledge. That is, as mankind reflects upon the vast expanse of heaven with its light by day and its intimation of greater universe by night, that reflection may open up an awareness and knowledge of God, the Creator, who by His hands created a glory beyond the comprehension of the human mind. Now here's another passage. It's found in Isaiah chapter 45. The Lord here is speaking about how he has the right to work with Israel in whatever way he wants. Because you see, he was going to be raising up a pagan king, that of Cyrus, king of Persia, to accomplish his purposes for the nation of Israel. Now, some would perhaps voice opposition to this. Why would the Lord want to use a pagan king? to deliver his people from the Babylonian captivity? Why not someone from their own nation? Why wouldn't the Lord raise up a deliverer from the twelve tribes of Israel, like a Moses or a Joshua? And to this the Lord says, It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry hosts. I will raise up Cyrus in my righteousness. I will make all his ways straight. He will rebuild my city and set my exiles free, but not for a price or reward, says the Lord Almighty. You see, the one who created this magnificent earth in all its complexities certainly has the authority and ability to do whatever he wants to do. And we shouldn't be questioning his ways. Do we think that we have a greater mind than that of God's? This is what the Lord, of course, spoke to Job about. The Lord spent quite a while showing Job the amazing complexities of creation and the earth. And he did all this to ask Job the question, Job, are you really justified in talking like you are? and actually floating the idea that you know better than, or know more, than myself. And so at the beginning of Job 38, the Lord says to Job, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were, were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? when I fixed the limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, This far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. And then God continues for the rest of chapter 38, and then the next two chapters, to tell Job and reveal to him that of his incredible divine power and sovereignty, which is revealed through the wonders of the earth. 
And then finally I'll mention that of Nehemiah chapter 9, where all the Israelites gathered together, and they confessed their sins before the Lord, and the sins of their ancestors. This remnant of Israel, who had come back into Judah from their captivity, they were now starting anew, and in Nehemiah chapter 9 they dedicated a time to the renewal of the mind in essence. And so they all cried out together, Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. And then they go through everything that God had done in the lives of their ancestors. How he brought them out of Egypt and overcame their enemies. How he parted the Red Sea so that they could pass on dry ground. And many more magnificent things. And then at the end of their prayer, they proclaim in verse 32, Now therefore our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, Do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes, the hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. Since God had been faithful to his covenant in the past, he would be able to deliver them in the present affliction that they were experiencing. The God who made the heavens, the earth and everything in it, the God who parted the Red Sea, the one of whom even the winds and the seas obey, he would be able to bring them through. You see, they started out the prayer with acknowledging who God was. We should start our prayers with acknowledging who the Lord is. He is the God who has made heaven and earth. He is the God who's made the volcanoes and the mountains and the seas and the hills. If we start our prayers more with addressing God in such a way, then that will serve as a wonderful reminder for us that we're bringing our needs to the one who indeed has the ability to provide. Therefore, we can trust God. We can trust Him and we can entrust our needs over to Him. And ultimately, we can entrust our very lives completely over to the Lord and His direction. The one who created this earth and its magnificent wonders is more than capable of looking out for our best interests. So go outside, (laughs) spend time in nature, take a hike. Take a walk around the lake. Or don't go outside, you know. (laughs) Stay home, stay on the couch, watch a nature documentary. (laughs) Subscribe to National Geographic or something like that. But let your taking in of God's creation and the nature outside, let it be a reminder to your soul that He is all-powerful that he is worthy to be praised, and that he has the capability to help you 
in your circumstance if you come before him with a sincere faith. And that is why we can close our eyes and be at peace. For David wrote, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So let that be an encouragement for you this morning and for the rest of the day and the rest of the week. (laughs) And so this has been Mornings with Pastor Adam, everyone. I hope all of you have a good Friday tomorrow, a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to all of you again on Monday morning.